This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And this is Father Patrick Briscoe. Welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and to subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Greetings, Father Patrick. It's good to be together. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. Oh yeah, welcome. Welcome. This is God's Planning, a show hosted by Dominican Friars where uh, we talk about, I can't even do the spiel anymore, so it right. doesn't matter, but you know. You're there. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Cool. Well, you know, I, I've just been feeling a lot of nostalgia for the old days. You know, we get together, we do these recording sessions and yep. stories Makes from us feel young. formation <laughs> inevitably come up in the evenings as we're shooting the breeze. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think we're going to we're gonna introduce today are some, some communal fails, maybe. We'll mm. start there. Mm. I just love it. fill you all in on some of the, the dark kind of whatever experiences of our of our of our life and for, lives and formation in particular and we're gonna how about some like communal cooking cooking fails fails i like it yeah yeah let's do okay it. so i'm gonna start because one immediately pops into mind Perfect. so after our, it was one of our classmates i will not say who uh but after the novitiate when we were first assigned to the house of studies um we well let's say this so on sundays at the House of Studies, as you all know, our listeners probably don't know, but the the student brothers are charged mostly, and so actually the priests too can cook too, but the community, community members are charged with cooking the Sunday dinner and it's a more relaxed atmosphere and these sort of things. And one of, it was in the fall, I remember that. So we were all still kind of worried about like making a good impression and that sort of thing. And one of our classmates decided he was gonna make sandwiches of some sort. I think they might've originally started as like pulled pork sandwiches, but because, he either asked for the wrong food to be ordered or the wrong food was ordered. Pork chops were ordered and not boneless pork chops, but bone in pork chops. <laughs> so the whole like community is gathered for dinner and the meals like being introduced and they're, we're told they're pork chop sandwiches. And that's kind of like, okay. Okay. But then it turns out they were bone in pork chops <laughs> and he still decided to serve them <laughs> as sandwiches, <laughs> which is like, Absolutely <clears throat> ridiculous and has kind of gone down in infamy. I mean, we still make fun of him for it. Do you remember the one they put on top of the stack in between the two donuts? I do not. <laughs> a pile of pork chop sandwiches. And then there was just one on the top that was so stupid. made with donuts. So that's a great, great fail that lives in infamy. <laughs> Well, the one that I, you know, viewer discretion advice at this point, but the one, the, the one that I think oh, no, of I know is, exactly what, oh no, was, uh, was when, when our kitchen had more issues with sanitation than it does now, let's say, and there may have been an oven that may have been infested with cockroaches. <laughs> I, like, I cringe. I, like, I, I have to like close my eyes to get through this story. So we were preparing a carrot cake dessert. And as we were Sunday, putting right? on for a the, Sunday, yeah. yeah, for the community dinner, and as we're putting this big dessert, you know, this big cake sheet into into the oven, <laughs> a word of cockroaches started falling out into the cake. It was raining cockroaches, so we're like, "Oh no, what do we do? Oh man, you know." And this is the only dessert we have. There's no backup, so we so we stop. We pull it out. I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> We took a net, like a little. Um, it was it was like something we used for frying. It was like some some kind of fry net, and started going. It's actually through, like playing with my gag reflex right now. Going through the cake pan and fishing out the cockroaches. We think we got them all, but, but the we, cake was baked. But and we served to the community, the cake and we served it. 
Yeah, that might have been a cooking fail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one died. I, I I'm just trying to like keep everything down right now. It's such a foul fail. Uh, <laughs> but hey, it's a good story. Like a decade later, so <laughs> great. Welcome to all of that. Well, we're gonna keep on this vein, on this track of fails, not cooking fails, but fails. And this morning or today, whatever time you're listening, this launches in the morning, so maybe this morning, we're going to talk about um, evangelization fails, mm. how to do it wrong, or things at times that we've seen, whether in our own experience from our own self, selves of preaching or watching others, kind of how it's gone wrong in evangelizing, in spreading and sharing the faith. Um, so maybe let's set it up a little bit more than just like I saw something go wrong, but like, is there a bigger kind of premise that we're operating with here? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, so, so what's the goal? The goal is to set someone's heart on fire with faith, right? Um, which means becoming a Christian, which means looking at the world a fundamentally different way. And I think oftentimes when we approach when we approach um, evangelization, we can approach it with kind of a too narrow lens of apologetics, actually, because when we're looking to help someone make the shift to belief, it, it it really can mean a radically altering of the way that they look at everything in their life. Because yeah. because the whole the whole of our life is colored by the lens of faith, right? So so I I think from the get-go, oftentimes our approach is actually too small. And we have to back up and remember that we're we're that we're talking about helping someone to see something in a completely different way. And if that's not our, our perspective from the beginning for evangelization, if we don't if we don't have a sensitivity for how radical a shift that we're calling for uh, someone to make in their life, then we could be too we could be too abrupt, we could be too short, we we could be too narrow in our in our approach or in our sensibilities. Yeah, and I think that there's certainly well it's it's also like, well, why talk about it or whose responsibility is this, you know, kind of yes, thing. It's yeah, like, exactly. why, why talk about it in a general kind of way? Well, because uh, we, in virtue of our baptism and confirmation, are, are being Christians, are, each of us are called in a particular way and in a way that's proper to our state in life, are called to evangelize, are called to spread the gospel. Um, so if that's the case, which it is, uh, turns out, uh, then, then we ought to be doing it well and effectively. And effectively, I think here is the key kind of thing, like how do we do it effectively? And sometimes that means um, kind of going all in and having, well, it always means going all, all in, but what I mean is, is that it means, what I mean by that is kind of really investing in a person or people to teach, preach, witness, to the gospel. And sometimes it also means kind of pulling back. You know, the prudence is really involved here of, of how that works. But with all things, to do things well, there's also there are also the pitfalls that uh, you know kind of surround it. So I think we're gonna talk about some of those because it's incumbent on Christians to do it and it's incumbent on Christians to do it well. So but it's also good to talk about like the via negativa of how not to do it well, to learn how to how to do That's it right. I think so. And I so this is not to this is not to mock mistakes. <laughs> Some of these are mistakes that we've made Most that, of them. that hopefully yeah. <laughs> that hopefully we've learned from. Um and it's important to realize uh that that mistakes can be made from hearts that are in the right place, right? Um, exactly. That that we're, yeah. that we're we're especially talking here to someone who is zealous 
who has a real longing for, for people to know the truth, for people to know the love of Christ. Um, but to have that zeal directed in the right place matters. Right. Um, to have the, to have that, to have that, that, as you said, prudence operating in our lives and to have that, that spirit, um, that, that drive, that passion to share the gospel oriented in the right direction is, is a big deal. And it's very significant. So that, so that's what we're hoping to open up. Perfect. Okay. So let's open it up. So what's one, let's start with, uh, an evangelization fail. What's one here? So the, so the first big mistake I can think of, which is one that I made many times in my youth, especially as an undergraduate, uh, was to was to make politics a bigger driving factor than the actual tenets of the faith. So what do I mean by that? Um, obviously, I think Christians have to be involved in political discourse. And there are many culture issues right now that, that we have to be clear about in the public square. I'm thinking of questions for gender identity or the nature of marriage, for example, or abortion. You know, the, these are these are big, sensitive topics. The gospel includes clear teaching on them, and Christians are called to witness to them. Okay, so those things being said, though, it's not the case that demanding political adherence or adherence to one particular political vision de facto will help someone to embrace the gospel message. Um, so there, there, there are a host of there are a host of issues, right? That that someone that someone could could be very involved with as a Christian, very active with, and demand um, or or be tempted to demand rather adherence to those issues and believe that that's evangelization. So let's give an example. Uh, someone is extremely passionate about the situation at the southern border, one way or the other, either knowing that nations have rights to to govern their territories and someone believes in a closed border, or someone is extremely sensitive to the plight of migrants. Um, when that when that discussion, which is a political discussion about the nature of the good pursued by the United States of America, becomes the lead into a conversation about evangelization, things can get really dicey really quickly. Yeah, I think that's right. And we have to keep in mind that, that the sort of political sphere, though it does dovetail with the, the sort of moral and social teachings teachings of the church, more or less to one degree or another, depending on the topic, ultimately the, the, the foundation and the root of evangelization is, is Christ, not a political kind of alignment. So it can be a helpful tool, but leading with it as the sort of motivating factor or the concluding, like this is the end that we've reached by kind of identifying with a political realm or a social realm, like it's just, it's just missing the mark. So I think, yeah, you're right. We have to be very careful there. Um, I think, yeah, I think, I think another way this becomes dangerous is when people, when people take an issue and declare the church's interpretation about it and then insist that in order for someone to be, uh, to be really a believing Christian, they must therefore believe X immediately about their political views without giving time, uh, for, for that view to grow or for a change of heart to take place. That, that, that's particularly the kind of pressure that I'm, that I'm sensitive to and suggesting yeah. is difficult here. Yeah. Okay. So we have the sort of the, the, the issue with like leading with politics, we could call it right. Yeah, but definitely. And that's a, that's a more, that's a less kind of church thing, obviously related, but there's the same kind of issue intra, uh, intra church, right. Leading with kind of church issues or church politics that that can be a mistake too i think right yeah we're catholics we have a 2000 year old tradition which we might sometimes 
uh, internalize more as family baggage than is actually the the splendor of our faith, right? Yeah. And if you invite if you invite someone to a family gathering and you sort of throw them to your weird uncles and leave them alone all evening, they're not going to have the best experience of your family. So I think that there there can be issues. Um, or questions, rather, not issues, but questions about the expression of faith within the church that are very important for believing and practicing Catholics that don't make a lot of sense from the outside because someone may not have the perspective of the tradition or, frankly, a love for the faith that allows one to bear those conversations well. So what's an example of this? I think uh, I think one, one, one prominent example is devotion to the Latin Mass. Um, is the is the Latin Mass evangelical by its nature? Yes, of course it is. It's the Mass. Well, is it possible for people to have radical conversions in their life from attending the Latin Mass? Absolutely. You know, and, and thanks be to God for that, um, because because that expression of worship is so profoundly beautiful and steeped in tradition. It, you know, it could be li- it could be life changing. But if you're having an evangelical conversation with someone who doesn't really understand the nature of the Eucharist, is it best to begin that conversation arguing in favor of the Latin Mass? I don't know. You know, I, I don't think so necessarily. Um, so, so, I, so I bring that example up to say, well, we have to be sensitive to the kinds of things that are important internal debates among Catholics, conversations that we often have among ourselves, amongst those who know and love and live the faith vibrantly, and those kinds of conversations that are actually accessible to people who are just beginning to contemplate the seeds of faith. Yeah, it's like if in my mind, the way I'm processing, understanding this and thinking about this is it's an issue of context. Right, and if you don't right. have the context to understand the, the nuances and the reasons why there might be healthy, good, necessary debate on things within a particular organization or within the church, then you don't really have the tools to be able to see like the truth and, and in your own mind, in someone else's mind who doesn't have that context to navigate that well. And then what happens is the preaching of the gospel becomes something that just looks like an argument about bizarre kind of factions, which it can be sometimes, it can devolve to that, it's not a good thing. But if we're trying to win souls, we're trying to draw people in, that doesn't seem the place to start. Yeah, the words of St. Paul come to mind, right, where where he's dealing with one of the communities that is saying, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollo, right? Um, and we have to recognize, no, we, we belong really to the body, not to a particular expression or, or faction of the body. Yeah, and I think, too, we want to be careful to not say that these things might not come up in evangelical conversations. You know, someone might be familiar with, oh, there's a Latin mass, I don't really know, and there's this English mass. And so those questions might arise in conversations. And so we're not saying don't talk about them or avoid them, but it's it's a mode, it's a question of mode, right? Like how are we approaching spreading the gospel? How are we, and if this is the leading mode, then that seems to be problematic, I think. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's a that's a really a, a really great way to kind of recapitulate the expression, right? To say, there, there needs to be a context and that we should just be self-critical about what it is that we're emphasizing. Yeah. Another kind of, I guess, issue that, or fail, that pops into my mind is is when, when evangelization is ruled and governed by personal experience mm. as the prime um, mover of, of spreading the gospel. Right. Um, and at least the example that pops into my mind is is sort of when 
when there are different types of people trying to preach the gospel as, as they ought to, you know, whether it's clerics and lay people or you mentioned undergrads. I can think of times as like an undergrad, like the stupid things that I said and did that were just like unhelpful, you know, like what whatever it might be, you know, you have all the, as you mentioned, the body is, of Christ is widely diverse, right? <laughs> but um, there, there, there can be a tendency to say, well, it doesn't matter who is who, it's the my experience with Christ that I'm, bringing forth and that sort of thing. And like there, there is, there's a lot to be said for witnessing and testifying to the way by which Christ has worked in my own life. But that isn't the foundation of evangelization. It might be the spark or the catalyst, like I've encountered Christ and now I want somebody else, but it is not the end all and be all of, 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 uh, of spreading the gospel, the subjective kind of experience of the faith, the kind of emotive reality. It can't define, you know, or it can't lead in the sense of this is this is the most important thing about spreading the gospel, I think. Right, absolutely. I was preaching a retreat once, and there was a young lady attending the retreat who was very distressed, who, who came to me frustrated because she didn't seem to be feeling what her peers were feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, so some, some, of, some of the other uh, young men and young women making the retreat had, you know, very visible emotional responses during Eucharistic adoration. And... This, this this young girl thought there was something wrong with her because she wasn't reduced to a puddle of tears in front of the blessed sacrament. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, there's nothing wrong with you actually. And that the, 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 there has to be a there has to be a kind of breadth of experience here. And some some people are going to be extremely moved by certain moments, and others are not. And we we have to have again again a kind of breadth in our approach, recognizing that reality. Yeah, and there's in this too. There's a question for me of sort of expertise, and that's not to say that everybody doesn't have a role in preaching the gospel. But if we think about the world in which we live and the challenges posed to the truth of the faith, you know, there there are a lot of a lot of real challenges, a lot of real um, attacks against the faith and the dogmas of the faith and the moral teachings of the faith. Um, we can certainly talk about our personal experience and witness and conversion, but it's also the case that like there are experts in in the truths and dogmas and teachings of the church and of Jesus Christ. And that is not, you know, like we can think here, I think of like the great saints, the doctors of the church, the hierarchy of the church, you know, these, these um, entities, persons, bodies, parts of the church that are, you know, particularly given the gift of the Holy Spirit to govern and to guide the church. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and that's not the same as our personal experience. Right. It's simply exactly. not. And we have, and, and it's a beautiful gift that it's not, you know, because there are a lot of faiths and denominations where it's personal experience that, that rules. For us, we have the great gift of the church and, and the comfort of, and, and guidance of Holy Mother Church, and then those charged with leading Holy Mother Church. Um, again, that's not to say that all of us don't have a role in it, but there isn't a sort of equity between just a subject of experience and, uh, the sort of expertise of, of others. So I think it's important to recognize that and to rely on that, you know, to rely on that in our own. I find myself a lot, I, I'm sure you have this experience too, of you get asked a question or someone says, well, why is this? And I just think, or why did so-and-so say this? Or why did this saint write this? And I'm just like, you know, I actually don't know. I'll go find out or I'll look it up or I'll ask someone who knows, you know, and I think that disposition is a lot healthier than just saying, ignoring it or making something up, you know? I think Absolutely. I could be wrong, but <laughs> no, definitely no, not. I don't think I am. So anyways, okay. 
all of this, um, all of this ability to evangelize without failing, or I mean, we're going to fail at times, but it are, it's all predicated on a few other points. And I think that we can, we can bring those up and, and talk about how those don't work sometimes. So one thing that, another thing that pops into my mind is like setting yeah, time absolutely. and place, right? I think it matters a lot, right? Um, knowing, knowing whether or not the person you want to be speaking to about a question of faith is ready to receive it. You know, and that, 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 that's difficult because plenty of times you won't know with any kind of absolute surety and you have to trust the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, sometimes there has to be a difficult conversation with you in order that someone can, someone else could then come in and have a, have a more successful conversation. So again, I'm, I'm recognizing here that prudence has to, prudence has to be our guide. Um, but we should really assess, you know, we should look into our hearts seriously before we enter into a conversation with someone and just ask, you know, is this really the time for this? Um, do I really think that this person will be open to what I have to say about this issue? Because there can be barriers in relationship, right? Like not every child is going to be able to evangelize his or her parents. Carlo Acutis was, you know, Carlo brought his mother back to the practice of the faith, but that may not be everyone's story. Um, it may not be the case that you're able to talk to your siblings about these kinds of questions. It may be the case that you have to talk about this kind of question to a friend because there's a friend that really trusts you and you're the most religious person this friend has in his or her life. And and there we've got a kind of uh, burden, actually, of evangelization, a responsibility to evangelize, again, because of the nature of the relationship. So... So I think the setting, right, is this the right moment or the nature of the relationship? These are kind of twin questions to assess, all right, you know, do I go in now? And if we don't do that, won't fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the time and place thing, it, it, it reminds like the, the image that comes to mind are there too. There's this sort of like, uh, I guess, more whatever caricature image of like the street corner preacher who's just like yelling at you as you walk by. Right. It's like... Uh, what do you think this is affecting? It's just, it's just not, you know, people are totally tuning you out. They're walking by more quickly. It's just not working. You know, it's just simply not. So why bother? That's total fail. Um, and the other is, is kind of where, and I've, I've encountered it for sure. I'm guessing you have, but in like, uh, like a social setting or something like that. And someone mm. will just not stop like oh, wanting, I, I, so I'll be more specific to give an example. Often like when we, um, as, as friars and priests go out in a social setting to see friends or that sort of thing. I mean, I'm not saying we don't want to talk about the faith, but it's also just nice not to have like, a, a, not to be grilled all the time of like, well, what about this? What about this? And you, you know, you kind of get that sometimes. And it's just like, I'm just here to have a beer with friends. So like, let me have a beer with friends. I don't need to like this moment. So this isn't so much an evangelization fail, but it's, it's kind of the, the opposite, but I think reflects the point where it's just like, it's not the time and place, you know, like I'm happy to talk about these things, but sometimes it's not the time and place. And we can do that on the flip side where we're kind of like, you know, not reading the situation or the setting. And it's just like, it's not the time and place, right. you know, people aren't, um, aren't sort of open to that right now because it's not the right setting. And that doesn't mean that like the faith has to be hidden at certain points or that we need to sort of, uh, yeah, hide things or run from things. It just means that we have to be good um, adjudicators of the setting. Right. Because the end game is not to force it down somebody's throat. The end game is to convert. 
and to win souls and to win hearts. So we have to we have to be primed and ready for the right context. Yeah. And I th- yeah, I think we can think of all these situations in our own life where it's just like cringy. It's just like stop. <laughs> stop. Where some where someone uh, they, so so another example of this I think is when when someone continues to talk at someone about maybe a minor point or a historical point of of an expression of the faith and you can tell that the that the interlocutor has not bothered to arouse any curiosity yeah. in the person with whom he's speaking where it's just kind of uh, word vomit Catholicism where where everything is just being thrown at someone else and and one of the most important points about time setting relationship to access is uh, to assess is whether or not the person with whom we're speaking really has asked questions of faith have you done anything to generate to prompt the question? Yep. Right. This is why Socrates is the master teacher because he gets people to ask questions, and so sometimes the temptation is, uh, well, I'm just going to get ready and I'm going to explain everything to, to this person because I really want to, and we haven't taken the time to even bother to help our friends ask the kinds of questions that first need to be asked. Right. The kinds of questions they have to begin with in the search for faith. Yeah, the worst the worst kind of answer is an answer given to a question that hasn't been asked. So if we're not eliciting even by our own witness and living of the faith or you know whatever if it's if it's not being asked and I don't mean like tell me about the faith kind of like it can be asked <laughs> in different ways of course you know but like if someone if if it's not there it can really be a turn off to just sort of use the faith as a bad like to try to batter people into into these things. And I think your point about this is another you know, yet another thing to add to the list about about talking. It's a question of: Are we talking at or with? Mm. Are we talking at somebody or right. are we talking right. with somebody? And if the setting, the situation, because of time, place, relationship is is at, we should stop. Um, because often when people are getting talked at, there's a huge shutdown and a rejection, even not a "I'll do it later." It's just like I'm done with this. So it's a question of at or with. I think so. I guess. By way of sort of summarizing all of these all of these fails, we can maybe talk about one more one more thing, um, and that's that's the the pri- like what is what is of prime importance here? You know, when we think about the mission of evangelizing, avoiding evangelization fails. You know, the, but mostly the primacy of of grace in the person of Christ. So, I don't know if you want to say a few. Absolutely. Yeah. So the thing we're trying to do when we're evangelizing, right, is we're trying to above all introduce someone to Jesus. And I think we as we as Catholics, um, we as Catholics can forget that we can get lost, lost in the weeds or we can't see the forest through the trees. And where if we if we take our eyes off of the Lord and forget that we're trying to allow people to have a living relationship with him, then then (laughs) we'll run We'll run into a huge problem. Right. As, as Pope Benedict famously put it, um, Christianity requires an encounter with the person of Christ, um, that, it, that it's, not simply, it's not simply a list of dictates or dogmas. It requires a, f- a friendship with the Lord. And if that's the goal, then we have to approach introducing someone to Christ as, as if we were, we were at the beginning of a relationship. So not everything has to be perfect from the, from the get-go, um, but, but rather... Uh, asking each of us need to ask ourselves what are the steps that we can take so that someone can fall more deeply in love with Christ, recognizing that we're we're trying to introduce them above all to the Lord. Yeah, and and that takes a good deal of humility to recognize, as you're saying, that in this in this 
evangelical mission were tools, were right. instruments, real instruments, not like objects to be objectified in some kind of puppet mastering of the Lord, but we are instruments and we're to be used according to God's providence and his will. And sometimes that requires or is, you know, sometimes we're asked to be super involved in, in this person's life or these people's lives. And sometimes it's like, get out of the way. And, and a maturity in this is recognizing what the situation calls for is, am I in the way or am I being used and, and, and using the gifts that the Lord is prompting me to use well? Um, also, I, I, there, there's this temptation and we were throughout formation and probably since have been cautioned against like the greatest pitfall for a Dominican is pride mm. because we're in front of people talking all the time you know, whether it's in the pulpit or teaching or on a podcast or, you know, like, ooh, I want to be heard and I have the words that are going to save. It's like, mm, pipe down. It's Jesus. It's grace. <laughs> and if you can't recognize that and, and get out of the way of that or be used through that, then fail, 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 fail. Mm. And that's going to happen if if not. So that takes, I think, a great deal of virtue and maturity and also kind of, yeah, the whole context of like living the Christian life well, but it's super important that I think even in our own minds to reflect on like, what is my motivation? Right. You know, is it that I think that I can do it or am I trying to, yeah, introduce to Christ? And if it's the sort of, I can do it myself, it's like, yo, back off because you're going to destroy it kind of thing, you know? So Jesus, grace wins the day. I don't know. I do know. That's it. That's all. Any final thoughts on on evangelization fails, food fails, anything? We should have done an episode about cooking fails. Well, it couldn't it could have been an entire an entire episode of carrot cake disasters. It would take a <laughs> lot for me to stomach that. Uh, I like that that's kind of a cool pun. Good job me. Yeah, yeah joke, joke success. Okay, that's enough for today. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, you can find a link in the description below. You can also follow the links in the description to check out our merchandise and to get information on our upcoming retreats. Uh, two quick things about that. So not a God's wedding retreat per se, but a certainly a Dominican experience. At the end of September, on September 30th, the province is hosting a rosary pilgrimage in Washington, D.C., which will be a day of, of preaching mass, praying the rosary, fraternity, all of these sort of things. So check that out, Dominican rosary, or is it just rosarypilgrimage.com? Um, is that the website? Rose, great. You can find that on Google it. You'll be great. The second is our young adult retreat that we're hosting in Malvern, Pennsylvania on November 3rd through 5th. You can get all of those details on our website too. Thanks for tuning in. Know of our prayers for you. Pray for us. And until next time, God bless.